Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Welcome into the Jazz Notes podcast. I'm your host, Ben Anderson. Follow me on Twitter at Ben's Hoops. Read me at kslsports.com. Download the KSL Sports app. That's the best way to get my content, our content, uh, on Twitter and uh, on the app. That's the best way to do it. Different podcast today because I think this was really special. Uh, it was a highlight for my career. I thought this was really fun. Uh, I asked Quinn Snyder a question earlier today about his favorite era of basketball, and he went on a 10-minute rant, tangent, historical epic about his time as a professional coach starting at Duke up to where he is today through his time at Missouri, through his time in the D-League, through his time as an assistant coach, and it was something I have not heard him talk a whole lot about, and I've certainly never heard him talk for 10 minutes straight. I don't know if I've ever heard a coach of any kind talk for 10 minutes straight, Uh, so it was extremely impressive. It's something Quinn Snyder obviously can do. It's not a muscle he flexes very often because he doesn't have to. There's nobody questioning whether or not he's good at his job. A little background on this question. Jazz haven't practiced very much this year, so as a result, most of our time in the media is spent either during his pregame availability, which is a couple of minutes, uh, or postgame, which again is a couple of minutes, especially when they're on the road, when they're trying to get back to their bus and get back to a plane. So we have just not had an opportunity to sit down for longer conversations with the players or coaches this year. Uh, And I actually prepped Quinn on this question a little bit uh, before the Jazz played the Celtics in their win on Tuesday by asking him, how styles evolve, how much this team, the way they're playing right now, is the best team in the NBA, is what he imagined when he inherited this roster or when when this team started earlier this season. And he gave a good answer, but I, I wanted to do that because I wanted to ask him another question later, assuming we, since we had two days off this week, we were going to get an opportunity to get a longer question in with him uh, about evolution of basketball if he has a preferred style. Again, he came in in the early 90s or late 80s with Coach K, coached with the Clippers in the 90s, coached with you know Mike Brown and the Lakers and uh, Doug Collins at the 76ers and Mike Budenholzer with the Atlanta Hawks. And he talks about all this. If there was one 
style he liked, and, and he just gave an answer that was better than anything I could have imagined. So instead of answering questions today, instead of having any topics, I'm just going to let you hear Quinn Snyder's unedited 10-minute uh, conversation or, or, or talk on, on what he thinks about basketball. Enjoy this. Quinn, a couple of days ago, I asked you about just kind of the style with which you guys play and the evolution of your teams. Going back even to your time at Duke and when you played, do you have a particular style of basketball you have preferred or liked throughout history, or do you not look at the game that way? Um, yeah, I, I when we really at Duke, we 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 spaced and we attacked off the dribble, um, and that that was you know I, I think the the, the strength. And one of Coach K's many strengths was his ability to adapt. You know, I think that's why he's had so much success, you know, over the years. Um, you know, when I got to the D-League, uh, well, at Missouri, you know, we had – we played more with two traditional bigs, which was an adjustment for me given the fact that, you know, we were playing with a shooting four at Duke really very, very early, you know, whether it was Shane Battier or Mike Dunleavy. Um and when I got to, to Missouri, we, we, my first year, we were more of a spacing team. You know, we had a 6'4 power forward. And, um, and then, you know, part of my evolution as a coach has been the opportunity to see different, different ways to play and different, you know, styles. Um, you know, in San Antonio, the, the first thing I had to do was try to learn, um, you know, their kind of fundamental core motion offense because that was – um, the way that we wanted to play because we had Jan Mahimi. And as we, as a, you know, my second, third year, I can recall, you know, talking to pop and just saying our, our personnel is so different, you know, uh, that, you know, is it okay with you if, you know, we play differently and he was, you know, absolutely supportive and we became a, really a pick and roll team. And, and we had multiple handlers similar to what we have now. Um, but that was, that was the way, the way that we played. I remember Malik Harrison, Marcus Williams, Squeaky Johnson, Shane Gadsden, Andre Barrett, um, all these guys that, that could play pick and roll. Um, and I'm leaving a few out, um, you know, and then the opportunity, you know, when I got in the league as an assistant, one of the things that, that I benefited from the most is not only did I have a chance to work for, you know, Doug Collins, Mike Brown, Mike Budenholzer, Um, but it was everybody's first year, you know, it was the first year for coach Collins with the Sixers is Bud's first year in Atlanta. It was Mike's first year with the Lakers. So I really got to see, you know, the way that your philosophy as a coach when implemented, you know, has to evolve and adapt to your personnel. You don't know those things always on the front end. Um, and I also benefited from that in Europe, you know, we, we were more of a half court team when I was with, you know, coach Messina at Seska and, you know, a different style, again, more post-ups um, and you see it on both sides of the ball, but, you know, we're talking about offense right now. So, you know, my first year here, I can remember coming from Atlanta and, you know, the rage in the league was pace and space. And, you know, that was not necessarily my expectation, but in the immediate past, that's the way we had played. And, um, so getting here and really we had Ennis Cantor, Derek Favors, Trevor Booker, Rudy Gobert, and we were starting two bigs. Um, and that, that was our team. We, we weren't a pace and space team. And I can recall uh, 
questions about that. And as I evaluated it, that that was not the best way for us to play. We weren't going to space the floor. Um, we needed to move the ball and grind through a possession. And we were like a football team, you know, that, that runs the ball. And hopefully in the fourth quarter, we would wear you down and play great defense. And, you know, that was that. And that was really, you know, that that style in one way or the other um, fit that team. And obviously, you know, with Gordon Hayward, um, you know, as Joe developed, we became more of a pick and roll team. You know, we ran a lot of dribble handoffs, but I think we were at the bottom of the league in terms of pace and we didn't shoot a lot of threes because that, again, wasn't the strength of our team. And we tried to be really good at what we did. And to me, that's the important thing. You know, if we'd have tried to run, you know, the Warriors at that point were, you know, redefining the league as far as pace and space and shooting. And that just wasn't, you know, if we tried to play that way against Golden State, that was their game. So, you know, over a period of years, you know, as the personnel um, has changed, um, to me, your job is to try to adapt, you know, what you do to fit your personnel. And the underlying philosophy for me has not changed. You know, we talked about being obviously unselfish and ball movement and quick decisions. Um, but what those decisions were or are um, does change. So, you know, last year with the addition of Boyan, um, you know, ironically, Fave, we have Fave back. Um, but with Boyan and then with JC, you know, and with Mike, uh, our, our style um, was evolving. And I think for a group of guys that has played a certain way, for a period of time, you know, with Donovan playing with Ricky Rubio and Jay and, um, you know, Rudy and, and, and that group, you know, that was a different makeup of the team. So we've tried to continue to adjust and adapt and evolve. And I knew how we wanted to play um, at the beginning of last year. Um, you know, we, we struggled offensively at the beginning of last year. I can remember, you know, people wondering if Boyan was going to make shots and if Mike was going to get comfortable and, I think it's, you know, it's emblematic of those adjustments, both that players have to make. And for me, trying to find the best way to put guys in a position to be successful individually, but also, you know, not, you know, being, being conscious and um, deliberate about how those guys fit together as a group. So um, as that year progressed, I think we got more comfortable. One of the biggest challenges for us has been because we've been such a ball movement oriented team, you know, and playing out of the blender and trying to break the defense down and really generate quality shots, open shots, that as we've progressed um, and, and we shoot the ball so well right now, you know, those teams, those other teams had different strength. This is a strength now, so the question becomes – you know, how can you play to your strengths? And, you know, that, that means kind of redefining uh, for some guys how they've played over a period of years and really helping them understand why it is we're doing what we're doing. I, I think that's a big part of it that, you know, if I've thought it through enough and believe in it, um, you know, it's my job to communicate to the players because saying you're going to do it and doing it and doing it then consistently you know, are very different things. So, you know, that, you know, the, the players were, were fortunate to have guys that, 
you know, that are intelligent players that, that, that want to play together because whatever style or system you play, um, you know, guys that, you know, are unselfish, you know, that will move the ball, that will create for each other, you know, in our case, we'll run for each other, um, make an extra pass when, when that's the case. You know, that allows what you, you know, whatever it is you, you, you want to do with a particular team to, to be much more efficient. And, you know, so now, you know, we, we don't need to be as open to, to shoot. And that's why the emphasis on shooting, because oftentimes, you know, a look early in the possession is going to be a better look than we get later in the possession. You know, when you look at all the numbers for us, it's one of the reasons, you know, the more you move the ball, the chances of you making a mistake become greater. If you come down and shoot without passing the ball, you're probably not going to turn the ball over. Um, no different than if you miss, you're going to have more chance for offensive rebounds. But that doesn't mean you want to miss. And so us finding a balance between taking those shots, um, particularly early in a possession, and moving the ball is something that I think you know is where some growth can continue to occur for us. I'd like us to not pass shots up Um you know, because when we're driving closeouts, we may not we may not get a better shot. Um, that said, there's plenty of times um, to make an extra pass, and for our guys, finding that balance um, has been really important. And I, I think that's that's what's taken time. Um, and the other thing is recognizing the situations where shots are going to become available. We didn't shoot a lot when people went under and pick and roll. We'd rescreen. We didn't shoot a lot when people switch dribble handoffs. You know, we didn't shoot a lot on pass aheads and transition. You know, we, we didn't shoot a lot. You know, we're taking shots now that I don't think guys felt like were good shots. And to me, the key on that is everybody is giving everybody else on, on the team permission to take those shots that no one feels, you know, if George takes a shot, you know, after one pass, you know, Joe's not feeling like what's he doing. And, that's the battle and, and that's the trust. That's I think the unique thing about this team is they trust each other and they really are, you know, there are, there are shots, you know, it's not one person's shots. So I think collectively that mindset is something that's really important. So that's a long answer, but it's a pretty comprehensive one. There he was Quinn Snyder. Uh, again, like I said, one of the coolest uh, answers I've ever heard from a coach, uh, a true honor uh, to, to, to have been in that conversation with him as well. So that was very cool. Uh, I was very flattered to hear have him give that answer. And I think it gives you a sense, maybe a better sense as a jazz fan of who he is as a person, how incredibly intelligent he is and, uh, and how his brain works. So we'll be back with you again with another podcast coming up next week. Appreciate you following. Follow me on Twitter at Ben's Hoops and read me at kslsports.com. <laughs> I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold season three, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.